Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 12th in the year of our Lord 2020. This, my fellow Americans, is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. We also reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. So welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. Hope you uh, understand who we really are, what we're really doing what's going on in America, what we can do about it. The list goes on and on and on. Hey, quickly, here's a recap of yesterday's broadcast. It was a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled Friday. We're taking America back one heart, one bind, one issue at a time Friday. We had a lot to cover on the broadcast, that's for sure. Uh, We talked about uh, a talk show host by the name of Matt Bracken, and one of our listeners brought this to our attention, but Matt was talking about the coronaviruses and the vaccines related there, too. And Matt said, remember, thalidomide. Thalidomide, ladies and gentlemen. Basically, if you study the story, you'll find out it goes back to the 50s. And I guess a lot of uh, women took thalidomide, and uh, basically it was an experimental kind of a drug thing. It didn't go well. Birth defects, everything, everything else came out of it. People got snookered big time because they circumvented a lot of the testing. It was just a miracle for women who were depressed and whatever and I had too much to do, and anyway, it goes on, but remember, thalidomide is the point that Matt's making. Thanks to the listener for bringing this to our attention, but the point here is, hey, we're going down the same road with the corona vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccines that are simply circumventing all normal testing and procedures, and et cetera, because of the expediency, they claim. And uh, the defenders of the vaccine would quickly say, oh, it's not like thalidomide at all. In fact, how dare you bring that up? It's not the same at all. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, I'll borrow a term from Fox, at least their term of yesteryear. We report, you decide. You you think about it and determine if you think that's what it means. But I'm very convinced Matt has a valid point. Thanks for that, Matt. Thanks for the listener emailing that to me. We appreciate it indeed. We also talk about witnesses cite lack of security. During the Georgia recount, we played a big soundbite about that. Witnesses basically saying, hey, you know, there wasn't security going on. It was just a sham in the vote situation. We also heard Mark Levin on Sean Hannity's show, uh, Sean Hannity Tonight, if you will. And uh, they were basically talking about how Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton are criminals and how, you know, all the people around them were criminals, that tons of money funneling into the Democratic Party, criminalistic stuff going on everywhere. Uh, Mark Levine's right. Sean Hannity didn't have much to say. Uh, But you know what? The sad part is that I mentioned this. What are we to do about it? You know, I appreciate that there's all this criminalistic history that we can point to in America. But chronicling the history and arresting people and doing something about it are two different things. Okay, between Mark Levine and Sean Hannity, they have plenty of money. 
to uh, and plenty of media to really promote this in the media. What are we going to do? Are we going to start arresting people? The sad part is that they didn't have any solutions. After the nine-plus-minute rant of Mark Levin, I don't really hear any solutions from those guys. They just complained about how criminal it is. You know what? We need to start arresting people. Why isn't President Trump, why over the last four years in draining the swamps, have the only people that have been arrested are the good guys? Can't understand that. Why has Donald Trump been so harassed for four-plus years about a Russian scandal that came up empty-handed? Although the Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, China, and Russia scandals are significant. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, tied to foreign nations in very strange ways. Hunter Biden, a proven liar, made a baby with a woman, a hooker as far as I understand. She basically claims it is kid. He says, no, it's not. They force a DNA test, and he comes up the dad. What gives with all that? Okay, you can't trust these people, but the Biden family has been criminalistic for a long time. That's all documented and true. But look, where has where has been the arrests? Who has authority here? Do the Democrats just have authority when Republicans control the House, the Senate, the White House, and the courts, and most of the states, legislative bodies, and governorships? Okay, I don't understand who's in charge around here. And so I appreciate the complaints. I really do. And I think they're accurate. But I think unless we take things to the next level, it's one thing to discover a secret combination and bring news to the attention of it, which is good. That's the starting point. But the next steps have to be to take action. We're the incensed American people. Sadly, we don't own enough media for enough American people to get incensed, right? Anyway, second hour, I brought up Second Chronicles uh, 7.14. And uh, in Second Chronicles 7.14, the Lord Almighty says, if we repent, and turn our face to God, he will heal our land and protect us. Amen, what a blessing that would be. And I pray we can have that in America. I really pray we can have that. But as I see, sadly, the people are turning away from God, and I would invite everyone to consider changing, turning to God. All right, Amazon driver runs into a burning home to save life of elderly man trapped inside. What a heroic act. We're grateful for leadership like that, and we do our best to bring great news pieces to you whenever we can. Some college students, believe it or not, are actually trying to get the cocoa. They're trying to get the COVID-19. They're trying to basically do that because then they can get more money for plasma donations and a chance to avoid on-campus quarantine. So I guess their plasma, if they donate plasma but they've had the COVID, then their plasma can get them more cash. And then if they can prove they had the cocoa, I guess they don't have to be quarantined on campuses it'll be just uh that's a precursor of what you can expect when the vaccines roll out folks this is disaster they're going to eventually back us all into a corner and require us to take the vaccines you see the writing on the wall everywhere i pray it isn't true but predict it will be sad to say in america we don't believe in choice unless it's murdering babies then you know there you go company that kick-started silicon valley Moving to set to Texas, a decision uh, that's been confirmed by the FCC filing. Hewlett Packard, HP, moving to Texas. Elon Musk, moving to Texas. Why? Because of the tyrannical regulations in California are just so egregious that companies cannot survive and prosper in California anymore. What a sad tale to tell. What is the answer? Back away from those draconian regulations. And uh, you know what? Have less power by bureaucrats and professional do-gooders and government bureaucrats and start to stand for liberty and freedom. You don't need so much regulation. Texas understands that California doesn't. Thus, the people vote with their feet when they can. 
CDC now reports number of abortions has dropped 57% since the peak in 1990. It's a trend that has been a consistent decline. And ladies and gentlemen, we are absolutely grateful for that. Absolutely grateful. Now, do we need more of it? Yes. Do we need to keep pushing harder? Absolutely. But is it a good start? Without a doubt. Is it a positive sign? Amen. You know, Mike Lee on this very program, uh, or actually not on this program, but we highlighted on this program, uh, said basically that, you know what, because of imaging, because of uh, good media people spreading the word, because of good people doing good things, more and more people are understanding that, you know what, it is a baby. From Abby Johnson, for example, setting the standard to others, we're learning the truth. Right? And there you have it. We're learning more and more. People are understanding the truth and becoming more pro-life as a result. And I pray we can keep up the efforts. But I don't have confidence the Supreme Court will do anything about it. I really don't. Megan Kelly's fed up. I guess she pulls her kids out of a New York school for one reason. I guess she already had her kids in private school, which would be my recommendation, private and or homeschool. And, um, you know, I guess she's uh, doing it alone. And very interesting. Uh, she does a podcast now. She used to be a mainstream press Fox rock star. What do they call her? A news babe, a Foxy Fox, whatever. Uh, anyway, and, but now she does a podcast. And she, <laughs> what has she got? Homeschooling her kids or something? Anyway, Megan's, I guess, uh, come around to some degree. You know, they used to mock podcasts when I started them years and years ago. Now they're all jumping into podcasting, aren't they? Interesting, to say the least. Mom does a wonderful job, pays for multiple strangers' groceries on a whim. She said, I just wanted to bring smiles to people's faces. Amen to her. You know what? We need more of that in America. Just like that guy that jumped out in the burning building or whatever and saved that old elderly gentleman or whatever. Uh, and now you got a lady paying for people's groceries. I think we need to do random acts of kindness uh, and pay it forward kind of stuff more and more and more and more the best we can in America, ladies and gentlemen. That's really what we need to do. You know, we need more of that, and, and I pray for more of that every day. We also talked about parents finally have daughter after 14 sons. Wow, family of boys, I guess from 2 to 28 years old, now get a girl. It's wonderful news. I guess they wanted a girl, and especially the mom wanted a girl. And you know, but man, could you imagine being the girl raised with fourteen boys? Woo, poor girl. Well, hopefully they'll you know be good to her and kind to her and look out for her. And but man, I I pity the guy that tries to marry that girl. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, it's a cool news story though because we're pro life and we love it. Premature baby. Born under one pound, good news goes home. Family says it's a miracle. Amen, we would agree. And that wraps up yesterday's news the networks refused to use, and that's a good news piece. So we wrapped up on a couple of good news articles that Kurt Crosby brought to our attention. Thank heavens for that. Liberty Roundtable live in seconds. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? in churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. 
More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Liberty Roundtable Live, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips always, six days a week. We're live on the Sabbath. We rest. Thank heavens for the Sabbath rests. You know what I'm talking about? It's a long work week, six days every week. I'll tell you that right now. <clears throat> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's a sad day. Kirk Crosby decides to leave Liberty Roundtable Live. My co-host for 25 years decides uh, to take off. I guess I'll just, uh, Sam Soldier's on is what I got in the headline. So here's the headline. It's a sad day. Kirk Crosby decides to leave Liberty Roundtable Live. Sam Soldier's on. So there you have that reality. And, um, you know, bottom line is you say, well, why? What the heck happened? You know, you guys were together for 25 plus years on the radio. And, man, you guys did so much together. You're right about every bit of that. And uh, it's a sad day. And uh, I have zero criticisms of Kurt. I think he's a wonderful guy. I think he's knowledgeable about America and the Constitution and all that matters. I think was, he's one of the best friends I've ever had. And I still have. And he's one of the most moral people on the planet. I, I have tremendous respect for him in every way. The sad part is he believes the show uh, is a little too negative. And uh, he has kind of a different view of how the show should go, what the direction of the show should be. And uh, so I don't know how that's all going to work. Um, I don't really consider the show negative. We try to be as positive but as real as we can. And we try to really point to the solutions on the radio. And uh, I'll be the first to say it's very, very difficult to focus on positive news all the time uh, in modern-day America when we seem to be sliding into more and more immorality in the people, wickedness in the population. 
And as a result, you know, we try to be positive and we try to point to the solutions, but we also have to point to reality. And I'll give you an example of this. You know what? We sa- we lost big with President Trump not being elected to a second term. President Trump put a lot of better court justices there than, than uh, you know, Biden or Clinton or any of those would have. Are they perfect? No. Do they side with Trump in the ways we want them to? No. But still, same with pro-life. Could he have done a lot more? Yes. Did he do tremendous? Yes. Did Trump do more than any other president in my lifetime? Yes. So you know what? Uh, The swamp is just too deep, even with Trump's best intentions. And I kind of mentioned in my open letter to Trump four plus years ago, Trump, if you don't take action quickly and get the good guys around you, they're going to swamp you, buddy. And sadly, that's happened. And I don't mean to say I told you so, but I but I'm saying, look, I don't mean to be negative. I do like to, to or I do my best to call it as I see it. Anyway, I, and I you know what? Kurt uh, prefers to listen to other shows and focus on other things. And you know what? He's free to go do that. And I hope he uh, comes back someday. That's all I can say. I'm not kicking him off the show in any way or as the owner of the network. I, I'm just simply saying, look, I don't even mind if we disagree on the radio. Uh, but you know what? The open on air, uh, you know battles that we're kind of having to me aren't acceptable i'm not interested in that and so uh, he has decided to uh, do something else it's a sad day kurt crosby decides to leave liberty roundtable live sam soldiers on as the headline and uh, so that's really the bottom line is he believes that the show's going too negative i believe we're calling it like we see it if i'm too positive on certain things i kind of think we're into deceiving ourselves let me give you an example thinking trump's gonna win the election I don't mind you think that at first before the elections and before people vote. But when you vote and then have vote fraud and then the courts and, the, you know, all this stuff goes on. At some point, you got to say, I don't think Trump's going to be able to pull this out. Now, maybe he will if he proves big scandal. And I pray that's true, but I just don't see it. And so, you know what, do I call it? Where it's just um, not realistic. Does my credibility take a hit if I do that? You know, so uh, I I give Trump credit for the good that he's done. I will continue to forever. In my opinion, Trump has been the greatest president in my lifetime. Far from perfect as he is, and I am. I'm certainly not the greatest talk show host either. But you know what? We got into the media 25 plus years ago because we felt like others weren't giving you the straight skinny. We talked about President um, George Washington. We talked about um, Ezra Tapp Benson, Secretary of Agriculture, and his 15 principles to the proper role of government. Uh, we talked about his witness and a warning. We talked about his, hey, America's headed down the wrong road fast. We've also, in modern times, done our very best to be positive and focus on what we're grateful for, to focus on things. But you know what? Sam and Kurt uh, just disagree on how to take the show forward. And if Kurt wants to start a radio show or to, you know, I wish him well. If he wants to come back, I'd love to have him back. Anyway, there's my take on it. I don't mean to be negative or critical. I just, I do mean to highlight, though, uh, so people understand the reasons, the differences. Okay, we just differ on how the show should go forward. He thinks I'm too negative. And uh, I think that he's um, a little bit naive and catering to the mainstream press too much. Okay, I mean, he wants to quote, you know, talk show hosts like Sean Hannity. Mark Levin, uh, you know, Lou, whatever his name is, right? And, and I don't believe that those guys really are telling the tale. I don't believe those guys really bring you to the solutions. And uh, so I want to bring solutions forward. 
And I'm telling you right now, folks, the only solution to the problems we face in America is not political. It is to turn to God, family, and country. It is to protect life, liberty, and property. Those are the only real solutions that I know of that we have. All right, Supreme Court denies lawsuit by Texas and 18, or, you know, who knows how many other states. Other states were being added as the Supreme Court rejected it. Uh, There was also 100-plus lawmakers that were willing to sign on to it. So an 18-state-plus Republican backed to the tune of over 100 leaders and more. But the Supreme Court denies lawsuit by Texas and company seeking to nullify the election results from four states. The Supreme Court simply said Texas did not have standing under the U.S. Constitution, theblaze.com. Amy Barrett sadly joined the Republican majority in rejecting uh, the lawsuit which sought to block the certification of electoral votes. See, they don't put Republican majority in this article, but we need to understand it is a Republican majority. I mean, Trump was Trump was hanging his hat on this Supreme Court. And I am sad that Amy rejected this. I believe this court case was critical. And what they say is that they don't have standing. So what the problem that I see across the land with all the different 50-plus lawsuits that have been filed from Sidney Powell to Lynn Wood to Giuliani to uh, all the different lawyers helping Trump and all the different states and all the different Republican individuals, and et cetera, et cetera, all these um, lawsuits, every one of them focused on how it wasn't fair. But they really didn't clearly focus on election fraud. The only one to really do that as direct as needed to be was Sidney Powell, which I commend her tremendously for. All right, but the only one to really, in my opinion, uh, stand up boldly on the election fraud issue was Sidney Powell. But in every case, no matter what you focused on, the courts didn't really look at the cases. They didn't really judge the merits of the cases at all. And this is why I say shame, shame, shame on the courts. Shame on the three justice picks that President Trump made. Shame on the six individual Republican majority. Okay, they didn't really look at the merits of the case at all. What they did is they said, you lack standing. Or they said things like this, this doesn't pass merit. Or you don't have um, the burden of proof that we want to see. Or, uh, you know what, it wouldn't have made enough difference anyway, even though you may be right on the point it wouldn't have overturned the election. So, and they dismissed every one of them on technicalities and on lack of standing. What is lack of standing? Who has standing if the state of Texas doesn't? And the state of Texas simply saying, hey, because other states have manipulated their election laws, our citizens don't have as equal voting power as their citizens do. In other words, you tip the voting rules because of the COVID or whatever else, and it favors Biden and then, Everybody in our state doesn't have a fair chance because we didn't do that. And the court just simply says, hey, you don't have any standing. And all the justices simply ignored it. Now, a couple of them stood up, Alito and whatever, and kind of said, you know, hey, this case does have um, at least it's the right venue for the case because the states can go straight to the Supreme Court. So a couple of justices, two out of nine, acknowledged that reality. But then they summarily dumped the case. 
including Coney Barrett. Or Amy Barrett, I'm sorry. All right. She joined the Republican majority in rejecting Texas's lawsuit. What a sad tale to tell. I'm disappointed in the courts extremely. And again, these are the divides that I'm talking about. Immorality in the people you can't stand together. Only way to stand together is bring back morality within the people, folks. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Another legal defeat for President Trump and all the president's men. The Supreme Court rejected yesterday a lawsuit backed by the president, 19 Republican state attorneys general, and more than 100 congressional Republicans. It's the second time the high court turned down a challenge to now President-elect Joe Biden's victory. The lawsuit was filed by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton against Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. The court, in a brief order, said Texas did not have legal standing to sue the other states. Federal officials gave final approval to the COVID-19 vaccine developed by Pfizer and German partner BioNTech. The approval comes after an independent panel of experts recommended for the vaccine to be approved. A second vaccine by Moderna could roll out in another week. Johnson & Johnson expects to find out if its vaccine candidate is working next month. This is USA Radio News. When thinking about life insurance, my accident reinforced you never know what tomorrow might bring. That's why I reached out to AccuQuote. AccuQuote helps people find a life insurance policy that meets their needs. Since 1986, they've helped millions of folks save up to 60% on their life insurance by comparing the rates and features of dozens of top-rated life insurance products. A healthy 50-year-old non-smoker can buy a half a million dollars of 10-year level term for less than 45 bucks a month. A 60-year-old under 120 bucks a month. Longer or permanent terms are available. Even if you already own life insurance, you really need to check out my friends at AccuQuote. Don't worry about health issues. Remember, they help me. As a pastor, I'm concerned about your soul and helping you to make sure your family is taken care of. Life insurance is more affordable now than ever, so don't make them wish you'd made that call. 877-437-4781. Call now, 877-437-4781. 877-437-4781. policy forms and availability vary by state. Indoor dining in New York City will be suspended starting Monday. It's an effort to slow the spread of the coronavirus. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo explains the combination of CDC guidance and the Big Apple's population density prompted the order. The hospitalizations have continued to increase in New York City. Uh, We said that we would watch it if the stabilization, if the hospital rate didn't stabilize, we would close indoor dining. It is not. Outdoor dining and takeout service is not affected. Gyms and salons will be allowed to operate. While the state will extend a commercial eviction moratorium, Cuomo called on the federal government to assist restaurants in the next coronavirus relief package. Tanya Gersh, who won a $14 million judgment against Andrew Anglin, publisher of the neo-Nazi website The Daily Stormer, wants to know where the money is. Gersh, a real estate agent in Montana, and her Jewish family were targets of an anti-Semitic harassment campaign. Her attorney said Anglin has not paid Gersh a dime. You're listening to USA Radio News.
All right, live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. So we're talking about the lawsuit by Texas and many other states over 17. It's hard to know how many because other states were joining and other uh, leaders and politicians and Republicans and uh, etc. were joining the lawsuit as the Supreme Court last night, yesterday, shut it down. Supreme Court denies lawsuit by Texas and company seeking to nullify the election results from four states. Yeah, the Supreme Court just said simply Texas does not have standing. Amy Barrett joined the Republican majority. And in my opinion, this is a critical, critical, critical case. But again, it goes back to what I've been telling you for quite some time now. I don't mean to be negative, folks. I really don't. But look, if you expected the courts to save us, the courts have never saved us, really. Okay? The courts are the ones that jumped double down. A Republican-controlled, Republican-majority court is the one that put Roe versus Wade in place. The 60-plus million babies dead, murdered, aborted in the last 50-plus whatever years. Almost 50 years, I guess. Uh, really, a Republican court gave that to us. Now the Republican court rejects Texas. Well, if Texas doesn't have standing, and if in every other place nobody has standing, could the voters sue? And see, the problem is if I'm a voter from Utah and I sue, they'll say, well, you have no standing in or uh, Georgia or Wisconsin, right? You don't have any standing in those states, and so therefore they'd shut that down too. So the only people that could sue and, and maybe have standing or maybe get away with it, but how do you get to the Supreme Court? Nobody has a direct access to the Supreme Court in an emergency filing like states do. And so even if I were to sue, and even though there's a couple of lawsuits in, in different places now, Pennsylvania, Georgia, to name a couple, okay, the, the problem is those court cases are going to have to worm their way through the court so slowly to ever possibly get to the Supreme Court that the, all the Electoral College will have voted by then, all the dates and deadlines will be passed, safe Harbor Day and on and on and on, to uh, January 20th. And are they going to just go ahead and coronate, I mean inaugurate um, Joe? And the answer is, sadly, they are. That's what they're going to do. And I wish it weren't true. In fact, Alan West, he's the Texas GOP chairman. His name is Alan West. He suggests secession now. After the SCOTUS betrayal on the lawsuit. Okay, think about that. Texas GOP chairman. Alan West is now suggesting secession after SCOTUS betrayal on lawsuit. Headline says this. Battle lines are being drawn as 42, oh, 44 U.S. states pick sides in the Texas-led Supreme Court election showdown. Now, I've been one of the ones saying, let's try to heal our land. Let's try to repent and turn to God. Let's focus on the fundamentals of the Constitution. I don't want a secession. I don't believe in secession. I don't want an Article 5 convention. I don't want a division in this country. I don't want a red state, blue state reality. And I've been saying that the only way we can prevent it, as far as I can tell, is if we turn to God. And I'm sorry that's a negative point of view. I'm sorry that I'm concerned that the Supreme Court will not do the right thing. The only way to stop it, if we want to go political route, would be to start impeaching judges. Sidney Powell brought this up, and I think she's the only one that's speaking about it that's right. But when you have Sidney Powell saying we need to impeach judges who don't do the right thing, 
And then when you have the Texas GOP chairman, Alan West, backed by 18 states and hundreds of politicians saying, you know what, we need to maybe have a secession after SCOTUS betrayal. Now you would say, well, Sam, wait a minute. The states backed the court case that they lost, but they didn't back the secession idea. I know. But what percent and how many do back the secession idea? Battle lines are being drawn in 44-plus states. Uh, picking sides in the U.S., Texas versus United States showdown. And you can say I'm being negative to bring it up, but here, listen to this. Is Limbaugh right? Is America headed for secession? Are we doomed to a political, cultural, and geographic split? I pray the answer is no. But when guys like Rush Limbaugh, the top talk show host in the nation, blatantly, boldly, openly speaks out and says, this is where I think we're headed. And when battle lines are being drawn as 44 states literally pick sides in Texas versus the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court doesn't even have the integrity to hear the case, they just dump it and say, "Uh uh-uh, we're not touching that with a 10-foot pole. And when the Texas GOP chairman, one of the biggest states in the union, chairman of the Republican Party, Alan West suggests secession is the answer. I got to start to take this seriously and say, you know what? They're literally talking about this. And how long will it be until it gets worse? As Joe Biden jumps into the White House and he moves forward with his draconian or draconian, I'm sorry, socialist uh, agenda backed by Ocasio-Cortez and and who knows who. uh, What will that look like, ladies and gentlemen? And will the states be happy to just carry out those edicts or will a lot of the, quote, red states, a lot of the Republican states, will they go, uh-uh, we don't want to do that? And then how much nullification and secession and Article 5 conventions and how much division will we be talking about then? Mask mandates, forced vaccinations, we can go on and on and on and on. Now, I'm not trying to be negative, but I believe the way back is not political. I'm sure we can impeach judges and we can throw people in jail and we need to do those things on the political side for sure. We need to make sure the secret combinations do not get above the people. We need to expose them. We need to shine the light on them. And we need to seek to to pull down power, not to build it up. Okay? We need to be in the uh, viewpoint of George Washington. We don't want war. All right? But I don't want to see a secession, a division, a whatever at all. I pray Limbaugh's not right. But look, all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom of our government, we have a massive divide. And the divide's getting worse, not better, sadly. The only way I know is to turn to God and repent and forgive one another. And those principles that the Prince of Peace taught are the only real answers to this crisis that we face. And I submit to you that I think it is becoming a crisis. And you know what? A lot of people are fomenting the crisis and promoting it and saying, hey, we've got to have a secession. Uh, you know, um, battle lines are being drawn. Is Limbaugh right? Are we headed for this? I pray the answer is no, and I will do all within my power on your radio to to reduce it, to prevent it, to talk people off the ledge, to bring people down and say, wait a minute, hold on, let's talk about this. We can work through this peacefully. I'm the guy that says, you know what, it's all about God, family, and country, and it's all about life, liberty, and property. It's all about using the supreme law of the land and the checks and balances. This country is a beautiful country, the best place on the planet, the greatest country on the face of the earth. And I believe that with all of my heart. And I'm not going to speak to, to, to take down the country or to divide the country. I'm going to speak to unite the country and to bring people back from the brink. And if that's a negative view, I can't help it. But Attorney General Bill Barr, for example, this is the guy Trump put in place. 
Okay, Trump surrounded himself with swamp monsters, and buddy, they took him down. Sad to say, but true. And so Bob Barr, or I'm sorry, Bill Barr, Attorney General William Barr, Bill Barr, knew months ago about the Hunter Biden investigations. He knew about Hunter Biden's problematic business dealings. He knew about the IRS and the investigations and all this stuff, the laptop. But he kept the information from the people as Trump was publicly calling for investigations. So, you know what? Trump put Barr there, and then Barr used his influence to undermine Trump at every turn. And now the uh, scandal from Hunter Biden and Joe Biden has been buried long enough. The media participated in this now as well to the point where, you know what? It's past the election. Fraud was committed, no doubt about it. Uh, And by fraud, Joe Biden takes the White House. But now by that same fraud, Joe Biden will be able to pardon his son, won't he? See? And so nobody else, again, will go to jail. They'll say, golly, that was sure bad, in bad taste, um, Joe and Hunter. That wasn't very classy. That was, you know, that bordered on immorality. That Man, that was a, ooh, that's not good. But there'll be no real accountability. There'll be no criminal filings that'll stick anyway. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton will just walk. Obama spying on Trump will just walk. Biden's and, and their criminal activity will just walk. Okay, these leaders that are all getting involved with sexual trysts with spies from China, they'll all walk. I wish it weren't true. But that's what I literally see going on, folks. Okay, when Bob or Bill Barr knew about investigations months ago, and he kept the information secret from the people till after the election. Okay, it was Bill Barr, partly, but it was the media too, right? But of course, that's the media that people keep turning back to. Is that negative for me to say that? What the people need to do is jettison the media that's not telling them the full story. If you feel like you voted for Joe Biden and now you feel like, "Mm, I didn't know those details that you're starting to know now, who made it to where you didn't know those details? The answer, the mainstream press covered it up. They're not talking about it. Mark Levin spoke out boldly about it, and I commend him for it. See, we try to give credit where credit's due on this broadcast. Anyway, sad to say, but there you have it. It's a sad day, too. Kirk Cosby decides to leave Liberty Roundtable Live. Sam Soldier's on. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. 
In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to defendapatriot.com. Defendapatriot.com. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, talking about the Supreme Court ruling last night. What a sad day in America. Shame on the Supreme Court, in my humble opinion. Supreme Court denies lawsuit by Texas and company. Amy Barrett joins the majority and shuts down uh, the Texas lawsuit backed by President Trump in many, many states and Republican leaders. And uh, Texas GOP Chairman Alan West suggests secession after SCOTUS betrayal. Battle lines are being drawn. 44 states picked sides in that battle. Is Limbaugh right? Is America headed for secession? Are we doomed to a political, cultural, and geographic split? I pray the answer is no. Attorney General Bill Barr knew months ago, though, that Joe Biden had serious, serious uh, problems that are being investigated, but he mummed the word so that the people didn't really know about it. Betraying Donald Trump in the process, Trump put Bill Barr in place, and then Bill Barr literally, as part of the swamp, undermined President Donald J. Trump. What a sad day uh, in America. How many people would have voted differently? Would it have made up the difference if that information about Hunter Biden and the ties to Joe and the Hunter Joe Biden family crime syndicate, if you will. Trump spoke about it, but because the mainstream press wouldn't tell the tale, everybody kind of dismissed it, except for the ardent Trump supporters. But would that have made enough difference in the election? Is that alone election fraud for the Attorney General of the United States of America to withhold that information? Okay, we got vote fraud on vote manipulation and vote, whatever you want to call it, uh, at every turn. Well, the Virginia Democrat, Governor Ralph Northam, Guy's a whacked out gentleman, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Virginia Democrat Ralph Northam, he's the governor, tells Virginians they should stay out of church. You don't need to go to church. Democratic Virginia governor, here's a different headline about the same topic. Democratic Virginia governor Ralph Northam told Virginians on Thursday, you don't need to be in church for God to hear your prayers. Now, I agree with that. You don't need to be in church for God to hear your prayers. I completely agree. But this idea that government is going to keep you out of church is the problem. It's true that God can hear my prayers wherever I am, whether I can go to church or not. I agree with the point. But I disagree with the governor's stance and push. He should be impeached over this. Okay? He should absolutely be impeached over this or recalled or whatever uh, in that state's venues, you know, whatever solutions or whatever you want to say, allow. 
And at the least, if they can't get him out via recall or impeachment or anything else, next election cycle, the governor's got to go. All right, we're talking about Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. This is the guy that's literally been locking down on guns and all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, the guy's a nutcase. All right, but, but here's the deal, in my opinion. As long as you let these you know, politicians stand and stay in their positions, it's going to get worse. Okay, these people don't believe in America. They don't believe in the checks and balances. They don't believe in, for example, in this case, the First Amendment. Look, the First Amendment clearly says, you know what? Government has no authority. They shall make no law. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> Promoting or prohibiting the free exercise of religion. So what part does Governor Northam of Virginia not understand about Congress shall make no law? Well, he's going to say, well, I'm not in Congress, and that's a federal thing. I'm a state thing, and the states can do whatever they want, and I'm just going to. No, I don't think so. See, this, these are the checks and balances that America needs to understand. You can say, well, wait a minute, Sam. The First Amendment doesn't apply to the states. And I would say um, it may not by fact or by law, but it does by principle. Okay, and the principle is you've got checks and balances. If there's going to be a law made or a law upheld or a law promoted, it needs to be the legislative body in Virginia. Okay, in Utah, I know, for example, the governor has made all kinds of mandates and edicts and whatever you want to say. Whacked out Governor Gary Herbert. And this guy basically, um, you know, even when the state legislative body said, no, we don't want to go along with that, we're going to nullify that. Then he just doubled down and did it anyway. See, these are the checks and balance violations that I'm speaking of. We need to peacefully work on this, ladies and gentlemen, but we cannot allow that to stand. We cannot allow these governors to literally run around and go, hey, you don't need to go to church. I'm going to block you from church. I'm going to limit how many people can meet for church. Where do they get this authority? And you'd say, well, Sam, emergency powers lets them do whatever they want. Yeah, maybe you can say that. Maybe, in a, But that's what gets a lot of people to not like government. That's what gets a lot of people to say, well, when do you really have emergency powers? All the time or just sometime? Uh, do you not have emergency powers, but if the cocoa hits, you do? See, where do we go with this kind of mentality? Where do we go with this thing? And I'm just telling you that it leads to no good. And you could say, well, Sam, the governors can do what they want. You're entitled to your opinion, but your opinion is not valid. Just like you think there's vote fraud, but every court case in the country says there's not. Well, all I can say is this. That's exactly what's dividing this country, though. And so the question becomes again, is Limbaugh right? Is America headed for secession? Are we doomed to a political, cultural, and geographic split? And I'm telling you, when Attorney General Bill Barr literally hides information from the people, when Donald Trump literally does his very best to get the word out, the media undermines him, when Democratic governors across the country and even Republican governors are literally in your face shutting down the people, even though they have no authority to do so, and they're violating the checks and balances that makes America stable and great for expediency purposes, Many would say for dishonest purposes because the COVID isn't near as bad as they want you to believe anyway. We can debate that till the cows come home too, but it's over all these things where they declare expediency and supremacy that are eventually going to destroy and divide this country. All right, let me give you an example to make the point. <clears throat> More tech firms are leaving California. They're leaving what's called Silicon Valley in California, and they're heading to Utah and Texas and other states. But, but people are just flat out leaving. Hewlett Packard, HP, leaving California, going to Texas. Elon Musk, leaving California, going to Texas. You see an influx to some of these states that are not as draconian. 
you see people leaving the liberal blue states and headed to the conservative red states. And if you don't think that's going to have anything to do with the divide, you better expect it to. All right? That's the problem. The Great Reset's happening. The Great Reset, ladies and gentlemen, is not a conspiracy. It's unfolding before your very eyes. All right? Let me give you an example. It's the Great Reset. I'm going to call it the Great Biblical Jubilee, the forgiveness of debt, but the moving us into something much, much, much more evil and sinister, right? Work from home now, they say, threatens commercial real estate evaluations. So what's going to happen when everybody's working from home and moving from all these liberal, whacked-out extreme states to more conservative venues uh, and real estate prices in these states plummet and their tax revenues melt down? What's going to happen to this country when all those things start to take place economically? The Great Reset. The Great Biblical Jubilee is happening, folks. It is not a conspiracy theory. You watch the economy and you'll see what I'm talking about. Again, you can say I'm negative. But I'm telling you, when work from home threatens commercial real estate evaluations, things are getting serious indeed because with that evaluation plummet, uh, then becomes all the businesses around it when people decide they can't afford those buildings and they got to jettison their contracts, their leases, their whatever. What about all the support businesses around those venues? They're going to suffer as well. And then when all that happens, what happens to the tax base? When half your restaurants and a lot of your retail business goes out of business, they don't need their buildings. There's now a real estate crisis in the commercial real estate world. Uh, All those centers that were vibrant and happening are going to dry up. Then what? Then what? And I don't mean to be negative about this. I'm just saying you've got to really think through this. This is not anything to joke about. This is serious. Okay, and while that's all going on, they're working on social credit scores in America. This is part of the Great Reset as well. It's part of the Great Jubilee. What is a social credit score? Well, Sam, you are a bad actor, my friend. You get on the radio and go all negative. You get on the radio and talk about that Constitution, talk about conservative viewpoints, talk about God, talk about traditional family, talk about country, talk about the founders, a bunch of slave owners, talk about all these things, Sam. And you know what? You, my friend, have a bad social credit score, I'm telling you right now. And as a result, we don't really want to do business with you, okay, Sam? Plus, you won't get the vaccine, so you're really done. See, this is what we see, folks, and you can call that negative, or you can say that's a very serious concern. Now, if I said stick a fork in it, we've already lost it, there's nothing we can do about it, you know, run for the hills, that would be a very negative view. I completely agree. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is Americans wake up. Americans realize that there is a way to preserve our country. There is a way to save our nation. But if you believe we're going to solve it in Washington, forget it. If you believe you're going to solve it within the walls of your own home with a loving spouse or loving brothers and sisters if you're not married or whatever, in other words, if you're going to go to the traditional family, And even to some degree, a made-up family. What I mean is people that aren't physically blood or whatever else, but people that stick together. And everybody works on this in the walls of their own home, and they're moral people, and they repent, and they turn to God, and they self-govern, and they um, actively engage in in knowing what's happening in the media, the truth. And they get involved in ways to preserve their nation and protect their country. And they insist on the checks and balances, and they 
you know, the founders uh, were asked what kind of government we have, and they said a republic, if you can keep it, if we understand we're a republic and not a democracy, if we literally turn to God, family, and country, and if we literally promote life, liberty, and property, and we really defend ourselves and we elect those who will carry out our wishes in that regard, then I think America has a bright future. But if we don't do those things, I think it looks bleak indeed for us, ladies and gentlemen. Not because it has to be bleak. Okay, but it's like if you keep driving your car 125 miles an hour down the freeway and I'm predicting that you're going to crash, am I being negative? Or am I being wise and saying, you know what, if you slow down to 60, 50, 70, whatever, um, you know what, your likelihood of not crashing and your uh, safety will increase dramatically if you do that. So if I just tell you you're going to crash and it's all awful and you're going to die and Man, stick a fork in it. There's no way to help you. Then that's negative. I agree. But if I come back and not only provide you the concern, I consider speaking up to be heroic in this regard, providing a witness of the solutions and a warning about the problems. I don't find that negative because I'm saying all you got to do, young man, young woman, or nation, is you got to slow down because you know what? When you go too fast, reality shows it does not go well for you. Okay, and so I'm doing my very best to provide the solution along with what I see as the concern of the problem. Anyway, I'll bring that to your attention uh, more uh, in detail next hour. We've got a lot to cover in both hours. I'm going to play a Fox News report, by the way, next hour that highlights the Supreme Court loss for Texas and company uh, and uh, kind of some analysis and breakdown about that from John Turley and a couple of other, in my opinion, influential, credible people. Uh, And it's a sad day in America, I'll tell you that, on a lot of fronts. But, ladies and gentlemen, it's very important that you understand there will be losses, there will be betrayals, there will be sad days. But what you need to do is square your shoulders, trust in God, keep His commandments, and soldier on. And if you do that, we have an absolutely bright future. It may be a dark tunnel to go through to get there. There may be dark days ahead along the way. But all will be well for those who keep the commandments of God. Never forget that. I bear you my witness that he lives, that he loves us, that he's aware of us. And we've got a work to do on this earth, ladies and gentlemen. Will you help me engage? I'd be grateful if you would. LovingLiberty.net. Donate liberally today. For Sam Bushman, I declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America and help us save ourselves. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that it was refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for December the 12th of the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our two of two. Our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Last hour, we talked about several things. We talked about it's a sad day. Kirk Crosby decides to leave Liberty Roundtable Live. Sam Soldier's on. Supreme Court denies lawsuit by Texas and 18 
plus other states and hundreds of politicians and President Trump himself trying to say, hey, there's vote fraud and it needs to stop. The court doesn't care. Even Amy Barrett goes along with the silent nine justices. I say silent because they really didn't say anything except for, hey, you know what? You don't even have any standing. So all the different court cases that have come up, 50 plus of them along the way, Sadly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, out of all those cases, the courts aren't saying we're going to look at the merits. The courts are just simply saying we're not going to take that on. So they say you don't have standing. You don't, and, and the technicality is not real analysis of the case uh, is where they're ignoring things. Here's a summary from Fox News, but I thought it was a good one. Got it from the blaze that I think is relevant in this discussion. Listen to the breakdown after the Supreme Court lost yesterday. I have some comments afterwards. We have breaking news right now out of the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court has rejected the Texas-led effort to toss out election results in four key states uh, that Joe Biden won. Again, that is a rejection to take up this case. The Supreme Court uh, just issuing that statement. This was, as President Trump called it, the big one, the case that was going to wrap in everything. Trump supporters holding out hope that this could be the case that the Supreme Court would court would take on its merits and actually argue before the court that is not happening. Uh, Fox News chief legal correspondent, anchor of Fox News at night, Shannon Bream, tells us what is uh, the decision by the justices. Good evening, Shannon. Good evening, Brett. We just have a couple of paragraphs, and this is how they spell it out. They say the state of Texas's motion for leave to file a bill of complaint. This state-by-state -state, uh, controversy they wanted to bring to the court directly. It says it's denied for lack of standing. Texas has not demonstrated a judicially cognizable interest in the manner in which another state conducts its election, saying... You know, Texas was claiming here the way that these four other states conducted their elections and changed things at the last minute. They, they, Texas accused these states of exploiting the pandemic to change things like witness verification, signatures, voter ID, those kinds of things. The court here basically is saying um, they don't have a cognizable interest, a legal challenge that we can weigh in on here. Now, there's a statement by Justice Alito. Justice Thomas joins him in this and says, in my view, we do not have the discretion to deny the filing of a bill of complaint in a case that falls within our original jurisdiction. So very few of those cases that go straight to the Supreme Court, but state versus state is one of those things that happens there. They say they grant the motion to file the bill of complaint, but wouldn't grant other relief and don't express uh, their views on other issues. Essentially what it means here for Texas is that they don't get to move forward. This case is done. You don't have enough. You would have needed five justices to move this thing forward. So Texas's last ditch effort to go after those four states and nullify, which essentially would have been, I think about 39 million votes of other people people in those four other states. It's not going to happen. The states had all said Texas has no right to do it. And for now, the Supreme Court says this is the end. That case is going nowhere. We're not going to get involved. And Texas essentially does not have uh, what they need here, which is a cognizable interest, and they have a lack of standing. So the case is done. This is it, Brett. Yeah, that was uh, the big one. Let's bring in Jonathan Turley, professor at George Washington University Law School. Shannon, stand by if you would. Uh, Jonathan, we talked um, earlier this week about the Pennsylvania case that the Supreme Court did not take up uh, and decided to not move forward with to hear, essentially hear that case, forecasting perhaps that they really were not in this uh, on, on these cases. However, this this how it's written does not foreclose any other pending or future election case coming before them. There are a few more irons in the fire, uh, but the electors vote on the 14th. 
Right, and so we're, we're right on the eve of that vote. Uh, this is very similar to what happened in the Pennsylvania case. Uh, the White House was only able, and Texas was only able to secure two justices, and that was primarily on technical grounds that they had to really hear this case, uh, not because of the merits, but because of how it came before the court. Obviously, the other justices, seven of them disagreed even on that point. And so this is as dead as Dillinger. And the question is, uh, can these other remaining cases still have a chance uh, to make a difference? Tonight, we also had word out of the Wisconsin Supreme Court that they will review a challenge in that state. Uh, but that is just one state. And we are now not only running out of runway, we're running out of time. Yeah. Shannon, I'll bring you back into this conversation as well. Uh, running out of time, but also, as Jonathan points out, you need to have multiple states for the president to mm -hmm. uh, essentially take those electoral votes away from Joe Biden, and they are going to vote on Monday. They're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole goal with Texas, going after big ones that would have really helped the president, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So it was very targeted. It was uh, very smart to go after those states, which all of those electoral votes, had they flipped to President Trump, obviously would have changed everything. So now we do have these state-level challenges. There's one in Georgia that was filed in state court that folks think has some life to it. But again, that takes a lot of time to proceed through the state court system. Wisconsin Supreme Court has announced that they're going to hear, they're, they're skipping the appellate level there in Wisconsin. They will actually hear, hear oral arguments tomorrow, noon local time there in Milwaukee, to move forward with a case in Wisconsin. So those are two critical key states. But as for Texas trying to go after four states at once, that math is not going to happen because this case, as Professor Turlia said, it's this is the dead end for it. So now we're left with these collection of state cases. Uh, they're also running out of time and, and out of, um, you know, landing space, as Professor Turlia said, but they are still mm -hmm. active. Yeah, let's bring in Kristen Fisher at the White House. Uh, Kristen, the president had put a lot of eggs in this Texas basket. He talked about it a number of times, including um, at a uh, Christmas party at the White House, saying this was the big one. Uh, your thoughts about what's going to be the reaction out of the White House. He's tried the state legislatures. It has not worked. These cases seem to have stopped. There's a few more, as we mentioned, but this was the one that he talked about a lot. Yeah, as you just said, he, I mean, this is the one that he called the big one. Brett, I'm really watching the president's Twitter feed right now because he has tweeted at least twice today about this case, really putting a lot of pressure on the Supreme Court and perhaps particularly those three Supreme Court justices that he appointed to the high court. He said he tweeted to them today, you know, to do the right thing, to have courage, have wisdom. He even told them to save the United States of America. So President Trump has really made it no secret that he thought the Supreme Court should take up this case. Uh, but now this is definitely another legal blow for the president, his legal, his, uh, his legal team, his campaign, and his efforts to overturn the outcome of this election. And now you have the Electoral College meeting on Monday. But, you know, Brett, it really remains to be seen uh, how much further President Trump intends to go. Because as of today, he has tweeted multiple times about this, so we will see. But as of now, no response officially from the White House, the president, or his legal team just yet. But we're watching it, Brett. 
Yeah, and obviously the politics of all this is the Georgia runoffs, there's still the Senate control hanging in the balance on January 5th, and how that plays all of this in that is very important. Last word, uh, Jonathan Turley, on this. It seemed like these legal challenges, some of them um, constructed in a way that the judges, some of the judges, at least when they looked at them, said, I need more meat on the bone as far as evidence that, it, that the votes were stolen or fraudulent. That's right. This Wisconsin appeal to the Supreme Court, which is skipping an appellate stage, does look at these concrete allegations. There's about 221,000 ballots that are being challenged in two largely Democratic counties. But with this decision, it's hard to see, even if that was successful, that it would make any difference, obviously, uh, with the ballot incoming. Part of the problem, I think, that we're seeing is that many of these cases are being thrown out on standing or procedural grounds. And there are a lot of voters out there who believe that this election was not fairly done, and they don't feel like the evidence has been scrutinized. So I think the Supreme Court decision is going to fuel that objection, because this was made as a threshold procedural issue. Texas simply cannot sue to get other states to change their view of their own laws or practices. But Jonathan, the fact that they're not even moving forward to hear it suggests that, uh, does it not, that the Supreme Court is kind of laying down a marker that you have to get over this certain point in order, not just on standing for Texas, but on the Pennsylvania case as well? That's right. I mean, these were not close calls for the Supreme Court. The Pennsylvania case didn't, didn't have a single dissenting justice and was dismissed 40 minutes after that last brief was filed. So these are really troubling developments for the Trump legal team. They've never found tierra firma in any of these cases. They've never been able to really move this, this litigation forward. Uh, but this is a huge blow because the president obviously has been talking about it. There are six conservatives on the Supreme Court, three Trump appointees, and they're not, they don't have animus towards the president. The majority obviously does not have that animus. The Republican appointees, three of them were appointed by him. They just don't see the law here. They don't see the credible legal argument. And that's why this came out the way it did. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. A very good breakdown, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, is that negative, their breakdown? Certainly not good news for America, I can tell you that. I don't know how to sugarcoat it. I'm disappointed in the Supreme Court. They're not even looking at the merits of the case. They're shutting it down on lack of standing or procedural issues. They're not even dealing with the vote fraud in America. We have no venue that will. That's a great concern for the greatest country on the face of the earth. I can tell you that. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm seven years old. I'm sitting here in the corner having a time out until Mom comes to talk to me. All I did was cut my sister's hair. I was just trying to help. I guess Mom didn't like how I did it. In a minute, she'll be back and ask me if I know what I did was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have cut her hair. And she'll say we all make mistakes because we're just learning about stuff. And she'll give me a hug and we'll end up talking about more stuff. No matter what you talk to your kids about, love is what they'll hear. I really like Mom's timeouts. And I think she likes them too. Yeah, I think they help her remember how much she loves me. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Visit us at mormon.org. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan, the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. All right, our prayers are with this nation, ladies and gentlemen. I can tell you that right now. Our prayers are with the people of this nation. We need to pray for our leaders. That's one of the great keys to success, in my humble opinion. Right? That's one of the big keys to success is praying for our nation. In fact, some are saying because we didn't pray enough, that's why we lost the election. Yeah. Serious, serious business. Our prayers are with this country. And our prayers are with the leaders of our country. We pray for success in the nation. But success comes with turning to God Almighty. All right, Donald Trump, though, sadly, in my opinion, is not going out uh, on a good note. Okay, I think he still should fight, even though he lost the Supreme Court decisions. Uh, with Texas doing else, uh, he says on his Twitter feed that he's going to soldier on and keep up the fight. He claims there's election fraud, and I think there's plenty of evidence to back his claim. But the courts aren't going to rule on it. They're not going to even take it on. They're going to shut it down on procedural issues or shut it down on lack of standing issues or everything else not to debate the case, not to evaluate the evidence, not to. That's the court's mode of operandi. Uh, and as Tenth Amendment Center says, I think we in the states need to nullify bad law. We need to go after these judges and impeach them. We need to use the checks and balances for America. We need to start arresting criminals. There's a lot we can still do in America, and being involved in the media is one of them. And I've said this from the very beginning, and I'll say it again. He who owns the media makes the rules, folks. The new media, to some degree, is taking center stage, but it's getting shut down by Facebook and Twitter and a lot of these organizations on the Internet. And with Joe Biden at the helm, now they're going to bring back net neutrality. You watch, and that's not going to be good. But we've got to soldier on. We've got to fight on. We've got to stand on the right side of the issue. It's not a matter of friends or opinions or people. It's a matter of standing on the moral side of principles every time and doing what needs to be done every time. Well, anyway, President Trump is not going out, in my opinion, on a good note at all. He should go out by urging the Supreme Court to stand for pro-life, which I doubt they'll do as well. But he should really push that. He should return to honest money. And try to make that happen. He should abolish the education department. At least we could get rid of one department. Or maybe the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Um, he should get rid of at least one governmental department and say he's really downsized government. Now, I know he's got rid of many regulations compared to how many he's added. And I think that's a wonderful thing. 
Sadly, though, a lot of what he's done has been done by executive order, which I do not support. Uh, and uh, it, it's just going to be reversed by Joe. So a lot of the good that's been accomplished is just going to get reversed. I pray it doesn't happen, but I think it will. But when I say President Trump's not going out on a good note, here's what I mean. On the campaign trail, when President Trump was running for office back in 15 or whatever, he was running against a bunch of other people. Two of them were doctors, Ron Paul. I'm sorry, Rand Paul. And, um, oh, what's his name? My gosh. He is the housing and urban development. See, this is where I need a co-host to remind me of things. Oh, Ben Carson. All right, so two of them were doctors. And Ben Carson, Rand Paul, and Donald Trump all said that, you know what, they're hesitant on vaccinations. They're concerned about their safe and effectiveness. And they all expressed concern that I wouldn't just double down in defense of vaccinations. But now the corona has hit, the cocoa's hit, everything has changed. And now they're ready to, you know, shove a vaccine down our throats. An untested, a circumvent all normal uh, protections, rush to market FDA emergency approved vaccination. And now President Trump doubles down and takes credit, promotes experimental vaccines. And you know what? A few people have started to take these vaccines now. Okay? And it's not going very well, sadly. Okay? You've got several people that have died. You've got several people that have had violent allergic reactions. You've had all kind of things happen with these vaccines. They're not very safe. They're not very effective, but they're going to rush to the public now. Okay? The FDA just paved the way, if you will. And President Trump, you know, uh, the mainstream press brings this up. And I don't know how to highlight this really more or better or whatever you want to say. But Trump goes from skeptic to cheerleader on vaccines. Okay? Why? I don't know. But Trump literally has gone from a skeptic to a cheerleader on vaccinations. Okay, all kinds of news organizations, the Chicago Tribune, the New York Times, all kinds of mainstream press. And you'd say, Sam, why are you quoting the mainstream press? Because when they're right, they're right. That's why. Okay. I wrote down Trump doubles down, takes credit. Promotes experimental vaccines. But the headline for the mainstream press says. Trump on vaccines from skeptic to cheerleader. And um, sadly, this isn't just one mainstream organization. Many of them are saying this. And so President Trump has done a great job in many, many, many ways. And I really appreciate what he's done. But in many ways, he has dropped the ball. He's been surrounded by swamp monsters. They've literally taken him down. I don't think Giuliani was Trump's friend. Uh, I don't think that uh, Bill Barr was Trump's friend. But again, these are just some of the people surrounding the president right now. Giuliani didn't file really any lawsuit attacking the vote fraud scenario with hard evidence like he promised. Sidney Powell did her best to do so, but others did not. And we're seeing the sad results as we speak. All right, so why did Trump 
on vaccines go from skeptic to cheerleader? I don't know. But if the coronavirus is not that big of a deal, like Trump said and has said repeatedly, and if the coronavirus were going to handle it, you know, in April, Donald was saying, hey, it's going to be solved soon. But now President Trump's relying on a vaccination to solve it. But I believe he's being hoodwinked by the mainstream press in bed with dishonest medical professionals because they're telling President Trump this is the savior now. Do you want to turn to God in repentance, ladies and gentlemen, to save yourselves, or do you want to turn to a man-made jab, a vaccination? Where do you think you'll obtain real relief? Huh? Where do you think the real hope will be? All right, where do we go from here? I don't know. I don't know where they're trying to go from here. But I know it's probably not going to be good. Now, Joel Scowls on WorldAffairsBrief.com wrote an article about this very topic. Election fraud battle to be won or lost next week. Well, man, he missed the mark by a couple of days. It's already won or lost, if you will, uh, by the Supreme Court loss. Now, some would say, no, not yet, Sam. Wait till Monday. The Electoral College doesn't even vote until Monday. That's right. Uh, Joel Skousen also says there's bogus claims of foreign intervention in our elections. Um, Joel Skousen said vaccine threats are here, and so is the threat to your health. Amen to that. We also know mask resistance is growing. And I think that's good news. But folks, challenges to the election must be decided before the Electoral College votes, is what Joel Skousen is saying. And um, basically, the courts are dismissing these on technical issues, on lack of standing, on everything else. But I believe it's Giuliani and others who have literally filed lawsuits that don't have don't pass muster. And I question, ladies and gentlemen, this fundamental questions about these things. What right does the state have? to challenge the other electoral process in another state. That's what's at stake. But what should have been at stake is vote fraud. All right. I agree that violations in one state can do and will adversely affect the, the voters and the vote tallies in other states. The argument's right on target, but the court has two ways to get out of it. All right. They did not focus on the details of the quantity of fraud in almost all of these lawsuits is the problem. Okay. The only person really to vote on the or uh, to file on the election fraud scenario in detail is Sidney Powell. The clock's going to run out on this battle, ladies and gentlemen, because precious time has been wasted on fair but incomplete legal challenges by others. There hasn't been a single case where proof of legal fraud has been the claim backing it up with evidence. What a sad tale to tell. Hang tight, Liberty Roundtable, live. Proclaim.
proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. The U.S. gave the final okay last night to the COVID-19 vaccine made by Pfizer and German partner BioNTech. About 3 million doses of the vaccine are expected in the first shipments around the country. A similar amount is to be held in reserve for the recipient's second dose, which will be administered three weeks after the initial dose. If emergency use of Moderna's vaccine is authorized, the U.S. expects to vaccinate 20 million people by the end of the month. Moderna's vaccine candidate is expected to be looked at next week. Another legal effort challenging last month's election results has failed. The Supreme Court rejected a lawsuit backed by President Trump, 19 Republican state attorneys general, and more than 100 Republican congressmen. The lawsuit filed by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was against Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. This is USA Radio News. Here's a great thing to consider doing right now before the end of the year. Call MediShare and find out just how much you would save by switching to MediShare, the affordable alternative to health insurance. When you call, you'll get some good news and probably be very happily surprised, too. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. It's so worth it to at least find out. And you'll see why more than 400,000 people are already members. MediShare is a Christian community that shared more than $4 billion in each other's health care costs. It really is remarkable, and they're very easy to talk to. And here's the thing. If you join before the end of the year, they'll waive your new member fee. That's another $170 you'll save. I'll give you the number here in a second. The call, and you'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline is December 31st, so call now. You'll save even more. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. President-elect Joe Biden has made another addition to his cabinet. More from Jeremy Scott in the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau. Biden has appointed Dennis McDonough as the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. He shares my belief that we have many obligations as a nation. but We have only one truly sacred obligation. To prepare and equip our troops that we send into harm's way and then to care for them and their families when they return. McDonough was President Obama's chief of staff from 2013 to 2017. President-elect Biden said he played a key role in improving health care for veterans during the administration. From the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. A car plowed into pedestrians at a protest against ICE detentions in Midtown Manhattan yesterday afternoon. The incident caught on video shows the vehicle stopped seconds before its female driver plowing into the crowd. The six victims suffered non-life-threatening injuries. You're listening to USA Radio News. Sad to say Donald Trump on vaccines, skeptic cheerleader. Trump doubles down, takes credit, promotes experimental vaccines. What a sad day that is. You can say I'm just being negative, but if I have the choice, if the pro-choice folks will back me and I can choose not to take them, I'll feel a lot better. But vaccines are here, ladies and gentlemen. So is the threat to your health, writes Joel Skousen in WorldAffairsBrief.com, and that's the point. All right, but listen, they're all promoting this is the way we got to solve the cocoa, right? Got to have the vaccines to bring back life. Got to do it now because it's an emergency. Got to 
But more evidence is coming out that, you know what, the coronavirus isn't as bad as they claim. And it can be devastating in certain situations if you're elderly, if you've got underlying conditions. And now there's some research out of the U.K. that I think is relevant here. Why you're not hearing it from Anthony Fauci and President Donald Trump and whoever else, I don't know. But here it is, ready? Scientists who studied the DNA of nearly 3,000 coronavirus patients in the U.K. have now found that five genes are associated with having a severe case of the COVID, writes Reuters News Service. So this is a U.K. study, 3,000 people, reported by Reuters, that, hey, you know what? If you're going to have a bad corona outcome, if it's going to be super severe for you, it's likely related to five genes. So why not get a DNA test and people can see what genes they have and know what kind of a threat level they've got? Those tests are way more reliable. Gene sequencing and DNA tests are way more reliable than whether you have the COVID or not. And then why don't we leave it up to people's agency to say, hey, do you want to, you know, you're elderly. You've got some underlying health conditions. You do or do not have these five genes, and maybe we research and find more out. Um, What do you want to do about this? Do you want to do the hydroxychloroquine? By the way, how come nobody's talking about that anymore? A listener emailed me that point, and it's a good one. I'm talking about it whenever I get the chance. But how come people aren't talking about hydroxychloroquine? It's one great solution for the COVID, right? There's other solutions for COVID, too. A lot of people are using um, ivermectin. Can ivermectin be used to treat COVID-19 or coronavirus effectively? The answer is yes. It's been trialed and treating the coronavirus, SARS, whatever, V2 or whatever it is. They say the trials have shown that it works, but they say they were testing cells in a laboratory and not in a living organism. So then now they're debunking the whole thing. But here's my point. Why not test it in real people? If you're going to emergency track a vaccinations, you could certainly emergency track the ivermectin, right? But they're not. And the reason they're not is because the <clears throat> hydroxychloroquine or the ivermectin or these other options don't make big money. That's the problem. That's the serious problem, folks, is it's about the money. And why they want to push these experimental vaccinations that change your DNA. Uh, Many of the vaccines in the test trials uh, had fetal tissue from aborted babies in it. Now they claim that, don't worry, the real releases don't, but the tests did. How do we have confidence in that? Don't know. Don't trust them. But again, this is kind of the scenario. Why, if we can fast-track vaccinations, why can't we discuss the hydroxychloroquine issue more? Why can't we discuss the ivermectin? Why can't we discuss, in my opinion, this incredible doctor from Texas? What's this guy's name again? Um, Bartlett. Dr. Bartlett. Why can't we discuss all these doctors that are saying they have treatments that work? They're all being shut down. 
Why can't we discuss these inexpensive solutions that are working in many, 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 many cases? Why are doctors losing their licenses because they don't agree with masks? Well, they don't agree with, okay, what's happening in America and around the world with free speech and free association? They're both simply on the chopping block, right? And that's the problem that I see. And I don't mean to be negative. I'm not trying to promote a negative view. But is it fair to bring up President Trump on vaccines from skeptic to cheerleader? Is it fair to bring up that Donald Trump doubles down, takes credit, and promotes the vaccines? Is it fair to bring up vaccines are here and so is the threat to your health? WorldNet Daily, or I'm sorry, WorldAffairsBrief.com. Is it fair to bring up scientists who study DNA have nearly 3,000 cases come back and say there's five genes primarily responsible for this and how bad it can be in your life? So now we've got a lot of traits, the elderly, the people with underlying conditions, and people with certain genes. What if we hone in on that? Do we really need a vaccine? If the vaccine can give us herd immunity, can't we get herd immunity naturally? And is there studies out there that would compare man-made vaccinations, the jab, and the immunity you derive from that and the possible side effects related to the natural herd immunity that God will give us if we turn to him and he'll heal our land? We need to give thanks for Almighty God. We need to focus on that as the solution. Can we turn to some of these ideas or is it only going to be the vaccines are going to save us? Big money in vaccines, but folks, can ivermectin be used to treat COVID-19 coronavirus? I think the answer is absolutely yes. But literally, nobody seems to be talking about it. How come? Why not? This is a serious business, folks. Because they're literally now saying you probably won't be able to fly on a plane unless you have a vaccination card, proving you've taken the Cocovax. There's literally places and, and, and that are saying we're, we probably won't do business with you if you don't. There's literally politicians now on local levels around the country that are saying, hey, we got to mandate vaccinations here. Right now, Joe Biden's saying he's not going to mandate them. He's not going to mandate masks and he's not going to mandate um, the coronavirus vaccine. But he says he's going to do all within his power. Will governors mandate that? Will whacked out Governor Newsom? Huh? Will uh, whacked out Governor um, Ralph Northam of Virginia? Okay, who will ban these things? Or ban us? Force vaccinations? You know, I don't know. Will it be just stores you can't shop at the Walmart? Can't go to Wally World if you're not vaccinated? I don't know where this is headed, folks. And you can say, well, Sam, you're sure bringing on an extreme view. Oh, am I? These vaccines are experimental, folks. They're not safe. They're not effective. I know they claim they are. But if you just type in vaccine to Google, V-A-C-C-I-N-E to Google, straight ahead, that's all you type. What are your search results, folks? Vaccine CDC. COVID-19 vaccine tracker. Vaccines and immunizations, CDC. Vaccine definition, types, history. Pfizer vaccines, more than 90% effective against the cocoa. Right? 
refrigerators for vaccines. They got to be cold. Walgreens vaccinations be well protected. Okay. They're not really talking about what's happened with these vaccine tests. They haven't gone very well. They haven't gone very well at all. So the Great Reset is not a conspiracy theory. It's happening before our very eyes. And they're going to use climate change. Write this down. You haven't heard much about that now, but Joe's kicking it up, buddy. They're going to use climate change and the COVID as two of the great ways to promote the reset. The global biblical jubilee where kings provide forgiveness. Oh, thank heavens all your debts are forgiven. But in exchange to come out of the reset, you're going to have to take the poison pill. Economically speaking, will that be vaccinations? Will will that be... Um, what will it be? Will it be related to your, quote, social credit score? What will they dream up coming out of this? Only time will tell. Our prayers are for this country, though. How do we fight back? How do we effectively make a difference? I would say turn to God and pray hard and then go to work and educate your fellow citizens. We need the new media to take center stage, that's for sure. Our problems will not be solved in Washington, but they will be solved. Let me give you some other economic reality they're claiming in the mainstream press as they rush towards more COVID financial relief. Some say it's DOA, but will they resurrect it from the swamp? We'll keep an eye on that ball and tell you all about it in seconds. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads, a divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation 
and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, the power of love can save us. Love from the Prince of Peace, even Jesus Christ. He loves us, so we love him. He teaches us to keep the commandments of God and be self-governed, and in that lies the answers to the troubles we face. I'll tell you that right now. Give thanks. Hashtag give thanks for all that we have, please. And understand where the solutions lie, would you please? All right, there's a new poll that's out. And it talks about 85% of small businesses will need federal funds to stay open during the coronavirus pandemic. And I hate to admit this because you know what? It's socialist as all get out, right? 85% of businesses, of small businesses, I should say, will need federal funds to stay open during the coronavirus pandemic now. I don't like that. But when the government forces everyone to shut down and social distance and wear masks and not meet together very many at a time, most of the ways people did business to, prom- to promote their business, to grow sales, a lot of times, especially the sales side, the dollars side, was to meet in person, to travel and meet, and all that's been taken away. And uh, you know what? Sadly, even a lot of the businesses that have not suffered thus far are going to start to suffer. And the reason that they are is because they rely on other businesses that are suffering. Uh, In other words, if a lot of businesses suffer and then job loss happens, then how do you sell people uh, products when they don't have jobs so they don't have incomes to buy products? You see what I mean? There's a group called Alignable. And it's an online referral network for small businesses conducted this poll that I'm speaking of. And uh, it's very interesting, this poll, which asked small businesses how important additional federal relief funds would be for their ability to stay open through June 2021. 48% of small businesses said that federal funds would be critical to their survival. 37% said they're somewhat important. And um, this is a serious thing, right? 37% said they're significantly important. 12% said they're somewhat important. And just 3% that federal funds are not important. Small businesses need an average, they say, of $110,000 per business in order to survive through June of 2021. That's according to the poll they just took. Um, I don't know what to say, but more businesses are feeling the effects of stay-at-home orders. Okay. In other words, people just aren't going to shops. People aren't supporting businesses. People aren't spending money, right? It's sad. And I don't know what to say about this, but economically, um, 
Is this going to back into the great jubilee, the great reset? I don't know, but when you talk about 85% of small business folks, do you realize how much that relates to the output of the economy in terms of dollars and cents? And how much that relates to jobs in America? What percentage of jobs do small business provide? The number is huge. Some say up to 50%. The number's massive. And so again, I submit to you, we better turn to God. We better work on the economy. We better start to defy some of these lockdown orders by bureaucrats without authority. I'm telling you right now, or else we're going to be in serious, serious trouble. You just can't shut everything down is the point, right? But don't worry. Big business is doing very well, very well indeed. Uh, Amazon reporting a tremendous growth and plenty of profits. Walmart, same story. The big box stores are able to last us all out and eventually eliminate competition big time. I'll give you an example to make the point. Netflix doing very well indeed, but Disney Plus doing incredibly well in the pandemic, folks. Disney Plus has 87 million subscribers now. In all, Disney announced 100 projects they're working on at this very moment. They say their cost ran at about $2 billion this year alone. They say in 2024, the budget for them will be $8.4 billion. Disney's flagship streaming service has 87 million subscribers as of Thursday. Believe it or not, that was a five-year goal to get that kind of subscribership. They got it done in less than a year. They say Disney has benefited from a low monthly price, $7, but prices are going up to $8 in March. Homebound consumers are spiking the demand for Disney. A significant percentage of Disney plus subscribers, nearly 33%, come from India. Uh, But by the way, the cost is much lower in India than it is for us. They say Disney Plus will reach between 230 million and 260 million subscribers by 2025. Wow, did you know that? Wow, I don't even know how to respond to this almost. Right? The ma- the numbers are massive. Did you know that a significant of their uh, uh, subscribers, nearly 30%, come from India at a lower cost point than we pay? The price is much lower there. And here's the other interesting thing. Not only is it much lower there, but they're going to raise our price even more. Believe it or not, in comparison, Netflix has 195 subscribers. I'm sorry, 195 million subscribers worldwide. And here's what I find interesting. As you read all that positive proof and positive dollars and cents for the big Disney giant, listen to this line. Losses in Disney's direct-to-consumer division totaled $2.8 billion in the company's 2020 fiscal year. 
The company has also had to give up billions of dollars in licensing fees. As they've uh, put their library on um, Disney Plus rather than having other partners pay for content. That number is huge. So the question becomes, are they doing that well? On the surface, they certainly are. In reality, only time will tell. But will Disney Plus get a big old gargantuan government bailout? Will the airlines get a big old government bailout? Will the hotels get a big old government financial bailout? What's going to happen? I don't know the answer. But wow, when you have an updated growth forecast for Disney, they're going to reach 230 million to 260 million by 2025. That'll dwarf Netflix. This is significant, folks. All right, thought I'd bring that to your attention. Time Magazine names Joe Biden and Kamala Harris its, quote, person of the year. Now, I don't really understand that. You got two people and they call it person of the year, but that's how they do it, a male and a female. I guess it's the first time vice president has been named that, and she got it because she's what? Of color and a female and vice presidential pick, right? Now, I don't believe she's vice president yet like some do. Um, I think you got to wait for the final efforts to be done. Right? But um, Dagan McDowell... Charles Payne Pierce, or Charles Payne and Pierce Morgan. So McDonnell, McDowell, Payne, and Morgan, and not to mention, I guess, and others, uh, slammed Time Magazine for picking a politician as person of the year. They picked two politicians, a male and a female, during a year consumed by the coronavirus and its outbreak. How dare you pick a politician, they're all saying. And I'm just saying to these mainstream press folks, are you surprised that Time Magazine, a mainstream press rag, uh, goes political and picks these two? Are you surprised about that? If so, I'm kind of shocked. I'm not surprised one bit for them to get another political hit, if you will. But what I wonder is this. How do they give a politician, a swamp monster who's been in politics forever, on the Democratic side, and a white man who's had racist realities in the past, how do they give that guy? I guess he makes up for it by picking Kamala, by picking a, uh, what What do they call her, a colored woman? Is she colored? Or is she half? What What is all that work out to be? He picked the first woman, the first colored woman, and now... You know, the Democrats have made it vice president material. Does that forgive all the snafus of, of Joe Biden and all the missteps and all the misstatements that Joe's made regarding people of color, etc.? Does that undo all that, I guess, for Joe? I guess it does. Now some people are saying Joe must. I'm sorry, President Trump must nullify the current election. Trump must nullify the fraudulent election, USA survival. That's my buddy Cliff Kincaid. 
Does President Trump have the authority to nullify the election? If he did, what would happen? You think we've got a civil war on our hands now or a potential for one? You ain't seen nothing yet. I don't think Trump can nullify the election, folks. I agree the election's fraudulent. I get it. I completely agree with that. But I don't see how he can. Okay, Trump waited too long for all this. It's a day late and a dollar short. President Trump had the chance four years ago when he put together his fraud, vote fraud protection team. Why did he allow it to get disbanded? Okay, so some are now saying we've got to have secession. Some are saying now what we need is Trump to nullify the election. Ladies and gentlemen, I think they're going too far. Some are saying Trump surrenders to the deep state. Is that true? I don't think he surrendered to the deep state, but I think he's getting beat up by the deep state, I'll tell you that. But when tr- some say Trump must nullify the fraudulent election, I don't think you can get away with that in the political environment. The media has had their hooks into the people for so long, the people won't stand for that. Sadly, we've waited too long to push for honesty. But honesty remains the issue. Pray for this country. Be self-governed. Do all you can to promote God, family, and country and protect life, liberty, and property. And use the hashtag, give thanks for all you're grateful for. Will you please? God save the Republic of the United States of America. LovingLiberty.net. Lovingliberty.net.